I mean, MacArthur Park. Tell us about that. Well, back in New Zealand, uh, I, I, when we knew we were coming to live in the U.S., I thought I'm going to have to give up my open-air preaching ministry, which was daily. It was just such part of, of, of what I did. And I thought I'm going to give that up because I looked at Los Angeles and all I could see was cars. <laughs> you know, you see pictures of cars and people. Yeah. And I thought, where are people gathering? And, and so a song came on the radio. It's it an iconic song called MacArthur Park. It's an amazing yeah. song. And it's, I thought it just kept coming back. And I, so I asked a friend. He was from the U.S. And he says, oh, I know MacArthur Park. He said, it's just packed with the homeless and that. Yeah. But he says, that's about 20 miles from where you're going to live. Huh. And so I determined to go there, and, uh, and I went there for about a year and, and fed the, uh, the homeless and bathed their, uh, the wounds of drug addicts and sore sites I never want to see again. I saw a man with hair on his eyeball. I saw a, a knee that was looked like an orange that had been split and turned inside out and such uh, horrible things that we had to bathe, and I had no background in first aid at all. It was just like, mm. whatever this is, I'll pour that on this, <laughs> you know, bite onto this bit of wood and I'll let me wrap some... Bite onto this piece of wood. <laughs> <laughs> you watch too many movies. But I right? found out uh, afterwards, I've been going there for a while, that it was the most murderous portion of Los Angeles and I was there oh. like a stupid, naive guy who was giving away dollar bills. Uh, to, to, and one guy says, oh, I wouldn't do that in public if I were you, someone will kill you for it. Don't preach here, stand with your back to a tree because they'll stab you from the back and things like that, oh, which wow. gave me wisdom as to how to stay alive. Arab and Jew, Arab and Jew, we love each other. How about you? Yes, friends, that should be a worldwide mega hit, but it's not. By the way, producers and singers, Ray Comfort and Emil Zwayne. Ray, a lot of people don't know that. Know what? We're Arab and Jew. Oh, I thought you... Producers and singers. Um, yeah. Uh, no, we are. Yes, my mum was full Jew, and you were. You come from a full well, Arab. People full. don't. People don't know. I'm, I was actually born in Lebanon. They just think I'm of Arab descent. But I'm like the whole real deal. What city? Full Arab. I don't care. From <laughs> city called Juni. 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 Well, my dad. Well, and it's why, it's funny in Lebanon when they ask you where you're from. It doesn't even matter where you were born. You always refer back to your. Uh, like where your dad was from, or your, you know, your larger family. So we're from Gbele. Uh, oh, I was lovely. born in June. All four seasons. Yeah. Each and every single one. Wait, 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 wait a minute. So you refer back to where your dad was born to, yeah. to determine where you're from? Yeah. So then his dad refers back to where his dad was from. Yeah, so you know dad, So it always yeah. goes back yep. to the Garden of Eden. Na- exactly. Wait, so you're actually from the Garden of Eden. Pretty much. Okay. What year was your dad born? <laughs> Let's not talk about what I am, though, from the Garden of Eden. Uh, go ahead. <clears throat> what year was your dad born? Uh, 1911. That's he was born when the Ottoman Empire was still around. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy. He's older than the chocolate chip cookie. He almost got to see Haley's comet twice. I think Moses said. And for those who don't know, uh, Easy's dad is still alive. How, so yeah. I, uh, yeah, he will on. celebrate 111. And uh, when God said, "Let there be light," he flipped the switch. He's so old, he owes Moses money. <laughs> They're making fun of my dad. I'm not. I think. <clears it's incredible. throat> He could probably still beat you up, Mark. He I would never make fun of your dad. He's wonderful. In fact, I never make fun of the elderly, even slightly. You shot hoops with my dad. Yes, I did. We, I, I was able to get well, well <laughs> off the was, he was, he, This is when he was a young pup of a about mere, 103. 103, yeah. <laughs> my, one of my wife's favorite stories whenever your dad comes up in conversation is that we got to see him dance at your oh, daughter's you wedding. did. Yes. That's right. Which was he amazing. got out on the dance floor. Who got him out on the dance floor? Or would that be something <clears> you'd normally do? 
You know, he just at parties. Yeah, my sisters probably they just get. A he had the biggest too. smile on his face out yeah. there. It was so yeah. cool. He's one. He's one of a kind. Can well, we thanks stop for a minute. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Can we stop for a minute and talk about this brick that Mark is walking around with? What? It's is a battery this? charger for your phone. Mark, it's like, like three are you times not the size of your on... phone, Mark? Yeah, this thing is heavy. It charges your phone twenty times. It seconds yeah. as a weapon. Are you planning on not going home for twenty days? <laughs> well, listen, I haven't charged this thing for I better have probably like 30 hours weeks. worth of battery. It has 48% left after two weeks. Is- All right, friends, enough of this. We're talking about racism today. That's why I started out with that wonderful song that Ray and I love to sing to one another. We wish the whole world would sing along. But, yeah, racism, obviously, we are living in a time where this has been punctuated more than ever. Um, it's almost insane to see what's been happening. And, and with a lot of what's been happening today, it's almost like things are going in reverse. You know, the things that some people are trying to do to um, supposedly eliminate racism is drawing more lines of separation, I think, than ever before. But, Ray, what do you think about racism? Is it stupid? I was having thoughts this morning about it, and I was thinking if the Reverend Martin Luther King had included the gospel in his famous speech... His dream wouldn't have been just a dream. Ooh. He had reverend in front of his name. Yeah. He had license to do it. He could have just opened up the gospel to that crowd. He wouldn't have had the accolades of the the media like he's got. He wouldn't be the hero that he is, but it'd be pleasing to God because the gospel is the answer to racism. The problem is not what? Skin. But? Sin. (laughs) <laughs> what was that about, Ray? Tell us. That was our first gospel track way back in the 1890s. <laughs> no, it was about 1972. Uh, I, I wrote something on racism, and it was just headed up, uh, sin, not skin. Mm. And some guy saw what I'd written. He says, I want copies of that. And I had a whole cranking what was called a Gestetner machine, and I had to pump out 5,000 copies for him to give out at some big rally. And that was the first of our gospel tracks. It wasn't a proper track. It was just a sheet of paper, but... Uh, Wow. I'm a long way since then. Now, till this day, I still can't figure it out. Is it pronounced gestetna, like with an A, as we normal speaking people would say? Or is it, is it E-R, like, or A-R, gestetner? Well, it depends on how fast you want to get through life. If you want to be slow, you roll the R like that Americans my question. Do. It's gestetner, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you're in gestetner. <laughs> but if you say, ah, oh, gestetner, you're on to the next word. And, oh. <laughs> so funny, this morning I was listening to, for some reason, the Boston accent popped into my mind. So I Boston. was looking up videos, Boston, videos of Boston accent. It, it is one of the most intriguing. It's different. Things. Mark, you do pack the car in the garage. Or, What's wrong with that? Oh, no, all the that's, Bostonians are going to oh, write in. Great. Big trouble. Well, it's, it's park the car in the dark, Mark. And if I don't go Americans, park the car in the dark, Mark. And I cannot do it. It doesn't sound right. That was a lot longer. It doesn't, <laughs> does, doesn't sound genuine, does it? It doesn't matter how hard I try. I'd be shot as a spy if that was the password. They'd say, no, you can't say it. And say, you, you guys can't say g'day. There's no way you can say it. Oh, easily. Isn't it interesting, though? Like, I can't, you're dead. I can't, you can't. imagine Ray without his accent. It's so a part of who he is. Can you imagine him not having an accent? It sounds a lot like Urkel. You know, we almost moved to <laughs> Texas years ago. Can you imagine Ray with a Texan, New Zealand accent and a little bit of uh, Californian? I don't know. I've told that? you guys but I'm afraid of drowning in Texas. Why? Because I'd call out, help, help. And they would say, what's he saying? That's cute. What, what is he saying? 
Help. Is he saying help? Help. Help me. Help me. Help. Help. Help me. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it gives me a lot of mileage. I'm so pleased I don't have a deep Russian accent because Hell's Best Kept Secret would be hard to listen to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a very rich yeah. Russian accent. Paul Manor sitting on a plane. <laughs> no, that's not Russian. You know, it's funny. Jim, no, a what joke with a couple friends of mine is, is how American. Like, you, seriously, when we say good day, you're telling me you hear that that you is You are erroneous. shot to death if that was a That password. was wrong. G'day. Say it right. It's just g'day. 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 Ken Hamill backs me I up on this. No, no, no. You're completely wrong. G'day. There's another g'day. word. There's a word that Germans couldn't say without giving it away. They were German. It was the word Blenheim. They could Blenheim. not say Blenheim. It's a, it's a city in New Zealand. Mm. They would say Blenheim. Heim. Blenheim. Oh. Shot. Well, it reminds me. I was saying with some friends of mine, I, I would always tell them there's no way they could say Ahmad correctly. Ahmad. Oh, God bless you. That was perfect. Ah, listen. Ahmed. Listen. Ahmad. 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 <laughs> sounds exactly the same. Try it, Mark. Try it. Say it. Listen. Ahmad. Ahmad. <laughs> you guys can't. You cannot make the smooth sound. It's So say racism in... Arabic because we've gone off the subject. <laughs> that was your fault. Okay, racism, friends. So we've got four guys around this table here. We've got a Jew, we've got an Arab, we've got Mexican, and we've got Mark. What are you? I've been he's trying to figure this out forever. Joseph Smith's great. I know you're, I know you're a descendant of Joseph Smith. Yeah, I uh, did one of those. My brother did one of those DNA tests. Oh, yeah. And uh, looks like majority he is. came back as privileged. From, uh, Ireland. <laughs> Uh, Ireland, uh, French, and German. Really? Yeah. Wow. You must have Spence. A... What is Spence? Do you know that the origins no. of that? Money Spence. Spence. Ah, Spence. Spence. It makes Spence. sense with Mark Spence. Yeah. So, guys, racism. I mean, look, this is what, what we have here around this table is a beautiful display of what Jesus does. And, Oscar, talk about the root, man. The root of racism. What, what's the deal? Because it's real. I mean, it's real. It exists. Absolutely. Uh, and of course, the big debate is, is there systemic racism in America and that whole big deal? Uh, but obviously, in, in fact, in one of our videos uh, where we talked about Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. there was a lady who totally denied there's any racism right. whatsoever. That's wow. insanity. We know racism is real. We know it exists. The root. Yeah. I mean, I think we have to take a biblical understanding, too, as to what racism is and where it comes from. I think the root of racism uh, is our our own hearts, our own uh, personal prejudices. And we see that all throughout the scriptures. The scriptures warn us from giving um, prejudice towards uh, one individual to another. So we see in the New Testament, do not, you know, favor the rich, do not sit them in the front, et cetera, et cetera. But in, uh, in, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, we also see that there's a way in which a community, a culture can set itself up to, to show injustices towards certain uh, groups or individuals. So, for example, in Malachi, um, we see that the, they, it talks about the scales being weighted incorrectly. And literally what people were doing back then was uh, when you would come and you'd weigh their scale for, you know, rice to copper or gold, you would overweigh one side of the scale in comparison to the other to favor your household or your group. Hmm. And, uh, and this created all sorts of injustices in the marketplace. And uh, when the prophet comes along, he calls them to repent from marketplace injustice. Hmm. And so I think 
the the I think any rational human being that's looking at the racial issues in America today would not deny that racism doesn't exist. The real challenge is how through what lens do we measure and understand racism? And then through what lens do we go about doing something to bring about justice that is glorifying to God? Hmm. Uh, because that's, that's ultimately the debate here, right? Like the Christian community uh, has always talked about and desired justice. Um, but we have not always understood or agreed on the right way of pursuing justice. And right now the postmodern world uh, is is offering a form of justice that is uh, dangerous right. and um, quite frankly unjust. Yeah. Hey, listener, have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non-believer that crosses your path? Well, now you can get one. That's because Living Waters is giving away 10 free boxes of goodies every single week. That's eight in the USA and two overseas. And this is being made possible by a faithful partner of ours that has given us funds to make these resources available to you for free. Each of these boxes has $100. That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. Livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck. Yeah, and then of course you have mixed in there the whole kind of new angle with the social justice gospel, mm-hmm. which obviously is unbiblical as well, uh, removing the heart of the gospel and Christ being at the center of it mm-hmm. all. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of tension. But, Ray, when you were in New Zealand, uh, obviously the, the, the different people groups there were different than what we have here. Not completely, but it wasn't as diverse. But you guys still had a lot of racism? No, not a lot. Um, there was the occasional racist and racist comments, but people in those days weren't as politically correct or as sensitive, if I can mm. put it that way, as they are now. They would say statements that, uh, well, there were toys around that were kind of racist. Do you ever heard of a wow. gollywog? No. It's a little black toy with curly hair. Oh, you look wow. it up, and, and, and people didn't, and, and there's the black and white minstrel show was on television. No one thought twice about You know what that is? No. It's blackface. They were blackface singers, white people with blackface singing, and it was very, very popular worldwide. And no one thought twice about it until the whole blackface thing came up, you know. So uh, yeah. there was just an insensitivity, but there wasn't like lynchings or anything or beatings or anything like that. Zealand, no, yeah. No. yeah, and, you know, it's good when we're seeing um, things change because obviously, I mean, you look back, I look back, like, for example, I look at um, the Three Stooges which we love, and I see how black people were portrayed right. in some of those. It was awful. Yeah. I mean, it's like, and, and I heard they would even put, like, extra black mm-hmm. paint on them to make them even darker, and, I mean, it's it, terrible. So it's good to see things change in certain ways. But on the other hand, Mark, uh, Oscar joked earlier and or used the word privilege, but that's become, like, a big buzzword today that, that almost anyone who's white is, like, looked down on. So... 
Like what's yeah, racism is not going to die anytime soon when we start looking at anybody as uh, being worse than us. You know, if I examine, and I want to just throw this in before I forget it, but Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, yeah, uh, as we saw during the COVID season, Planned Parenthood tried to distance themselves from her because she was an extreme racist. Oh, yeah. uh, Eugenics. In fact, I'm going to read something from USA Today, which is not a conservative uh, publication by any means. Uh, in a 1939 letter to Dr. C.J. Gamble, uh, Sanger urged him to get over his reluctance to hire, as she put it, a full-time Negro physician. And then she said, colored Negroes can get closer to their own members and more or less lay their cards on the table, which means can demonstrate their ignorance, their superstitions, and their doubt. And then she goes on to say, catch this, we do not want word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population and the ministers, the man who can straighten out the idea if it ever occurs to any of their more rebellious members. In other words, she is trying to come alongside of black religious leaders to try to support Planned Parenthood because they can be deceived in killing their own kind because they're that ignorant. Oh, that is awful, yeah. man. And there's I, tons and tons of examples. Oh, absolutely. Of you say that was New York Times? USA Today. <laughs> USA Today. Yeah, I, I can't even quote something conservative right now. You, she's being uh, right. blasted by their own. I And I think that's, and, and I mean, even if you look at Planned Parenthood today, because they could argue, well, that, you know, we're very different. But if you look at the, the demographics in which Planned Parenthood yeah. puts their facilities, it's mm-hmm. still predominantly in minority, specifically black, uh, impoverished communities yeah. is where a significant amount, the majority of those places are. And so yeah. the interesting thing is, is that I think a lot of people want, not a lot of people, I think some people want to argue that racism is like tucked away in the deep, dark crevices of American life. And it's not still um, an issue that we all need to pay attention to. And I think Planned Parenthood is one of them. I would argue though, that the issue of racism is found both on the left and on the right. Um, I, I feel like we can't talk about where the left goes wrong without talking about where the right goes wrong. And if you look at like just in 2020, Tucker Carlson's number one writer, Blake Neff, got fired for incredibly racial slurs. Yeah, I remember that. Right, and that was a year ago. He was the top writer for the Daily Caller uh, Call and Tucker Carlson from 2016 to 2020, which means if you watched that show within those four-year periods of time, you were being influenced, you were being in some way, shape, or form by somebody who was incredibly racist. And so I think it's just valuable to say, yeah. look, on both sides, we see this. I think, here. Ray, that, that to, to the... Uh, Oscar's point, sin has no boundaries, right? And I think we can do that sometimes where we, oh, well, they're conservative. They must not be like this or they're liberal. They must be like this or whatever. But it's on both sides. Yeah, I think um, what we've got to do is pinpoint the problem. And Scripture does it perfectly in Galatians. We're very familiar with the works of the flesh. Let me read them to you. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, and then comes in Mm. hatred contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. That's human nature. And you could just drop in the word racism if you want, which actually is mentioned further on. It says, and the like. Right. So you can fit racism in there, but it's just human nature. So that's the problem. The answer, following verse. But the 
fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such there's no, no law. So it comes back to the point, do we want to cure the ills of uh, modern humanity or do we want to deal with the root cause of the problem, amen. sin? And the yeah, only amen. thing that can do that is the gospel. And I'm, I just keep coming back to that because it's the only answer. It is the only answer. And, you know, the next, the next item on the list there was selfish dissensions which again is at the root of racism, really. It's a, it's a self-focused type yep. thing. You're not like me, and I don't like your, your look, I don't like your ways. You know, and guys, think about this. Acts 17, 26, and he made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth. It's like we forget that we all have <laughs> two common ancestors, right? right? It's like we, we're all related and from one blood. You know, Ken Ham, our good friend, often uh, highlights the fact he wrote a book called One Blood where he talks about how there's really only one race. It's a human race. And then yeah. there, there's different amounts of me- um, melanin in, in our skin. And we're all different shades of brown, <laughs> really. Wouldn't it be interesting if Adam and Eve were blue? <laughs> <laughs> Smurfs. <laughs> you bring Smurf. up a really good point, though, because I do think that a biblical understanding of human beings when truly understood is the only way in which we move towards a, a life in which people are treated equally uh, and with, with, justice, with justice and equality. Um, it's been said over and over again that, that the idea of equality comes from a Christian narrative. See, before, before the idea of we are all being created in God's image, we are all created equally, you had the idea of bloodlines, which is you were a king because you were an ancestor of kings. You were rich because your ancestors were rich. You were poor because your ancestors were poor. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, your inerrant worth and value is in your bloodline, right? right. Uh, and there are other examples of which there are inequalities in, in, in the way that we view each other. Um, but only through a biblical narrative do we see, no, we are all created equally in God's image, equally sinful and equally um, designed to be reflectors of his beauty. Yeah. So how then does evolution look on racism? Someone's a Darwinian evolutionist. Oh, that's right. well, well, you've quoted, I mean, in, in a number of our, our videos and movies, you'll quote Darwin and the different things he would say about the, the right. black race. The full title of Darwin's most famous work, the full title, which nobody looks into anymore. Yeah, On the Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection, or the preservation of favored races in the struggle for life. <laughs> didn't you have that memorized? I think so. Oh, and I'll tell you who didn't memorize it. Uh, Dawkins, he was in a live interview asked to quote Darwin's book, what it was called, and he couldn't do it. Mark, was that a serious title like that? Yeah, I mean, there, there is debate on, on whether that's true, but obviously that debate comes from the left. But when you find early editions of the book, it's hard to dispute that. That's not uh, a title, that's a book. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's not a subheading, right? So also think of this for just a moment. We have, there, there's a race war that is going on, and I'll just throw two colors out there for now. We have blacks and whites, mm-hmm. but nobody's truly white and nobody's truly black, right? right? We're just all different shades of brown. Different shades of brown. Abraham Lincoln, he said this so well, and I want to say the quote, and it's a little difficult to follow. I oh, saw it this morning. Ah, I did love you? That. Yes, I did. Uh, it, was, it surprised me. It's it's good. Listen, he said, <clears throat> "It's good." You say A is white and B is black. Oh, it's color then. The lighter having the right to enslave the darker. Well, then take care. 
by this rule, you are to be slave to the first man you meet with a fairer skin than your own. Mm. You do not mean color exactly. You mean that whites are intellectually the superiors of the blacks, and therefore they have the right to enslave them. Take care again. By this rule, you are to be slave to the first man you meet with an intellect superior to your own. So good. Why? I mean, at what point do we go, all right, you're no longer black. You're, you're mulatto, right? Yeah. It's like we say Obama was the first black president, but he, but he wasn't. Yeah. Right? His, his mom was white. Mm-hmm. So we have these different shades. Right. And because you're a little darker than me, or you're even now, we see through COVID, you're a little bit lighter than me. Now you're the racist. Wow. Right? And it goes back and forth. That's so true. I was just talking to a friend who pastored in South Africa, and he was telling me that the people that are, are most rejected in that society are those that are, are mixed, black, black and white, because they're too light for the black people and they're too dark for the white people. And what a tragedy. And Ray, you hit it. It's the gospel. You know, you think of what Paul said uh, in Ephesians 2, 14 through 18. He says, for he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is a law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. Mm. And that he might reconcile them both to God. You know, and so that's the heart of the gospel because, of course, uh, in the time of Christ, there was major racial tensions, and it was you know the Jew versus Gentile, really. Oh, so much more, yeah. Yeah, and yet that should not have been the case. Mm. I mean, God from the beginning had said, even in Genesis twelve, and speaking to Abraham, He says, "And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed." Isaiah forty nine six, I will give you as a light to the Gentiles. Mm. You know, um, God even said, "You shall also love the stranger." for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Uh, Leviticus 19.34, the alien who resides with you shall be to you as the citizen among you. You shall love the alien as yourself, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. You know, we often look at the Sermon on the Mount and say what radical things Jesus brought, but it was just Old Testament. Yeah, right. He's bringing the spirit of the law out, exactly those scriptures. And you would never guess that these, like when, when you would look at the way the Jews would treat the Gentiles and, and, and their attitude towards them, you would think, these, there's no such verses in the, in the Bible. I mean, a lot of people will highlight, look, they wiped out the Amalekites or they wiped out the Canaanites. or Well, yeah, God and God described why that was because they were wicked nations. It wasn't because of their race. It was because they were wicked nations and, and God used Israel as a tool of judgment. But this was God's heart toward the stranger. He's telling him, remember, you were in Egypt. You were strangers. Love the stranger. Treat them as if though they're your own citizen. And the, what we call the good Samaritan epitomizes that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think, I think a, I'm really glad that you went, uh, that you brought up those verses because I wanted to unpack what, what Ray said a little bit in regards to like, how do we pursue justice from a biblical perspective? Uh, and, and when we say that the gospel is the way to do that, that might sound like a catch-all, um, but really, everything that we do should be informed by the gospel. And through the gospel is God's kingdom. And so how do we pursue justice? Um, there's, there are some Christians, there are some camps in which say, all you need to do is preach the gospel. Um, and they avoid verses like um, reaching out to the alien and, and feeding the poor and caring for the sick and uh, taking care of the widow. 
there are some Christian camps that would say, no, 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 what we need to do is focus on feeding the poor and caring for the middle and have a very social way of pursuing it, right? But I think when we look through the scriptures, we see uh, God's kingdom being a yes and. It's bringing the gospel, the proclamation of the gospel and the call towards repentance so that hearts are uh, redeemed and made new uh, so that people can enjoy God's kingdom and enjoy him forever while at the same time pursuing justice by caring for the sick, by feeding the widows, by caring for the orphans, by, by um, uh, caring for the aliens in the land. And so I think when we, when we take a biblical perspective of God's kingdom, we're preaching the gospel and we're caring for the impoverished yeah. at the same time. Well, you know, even when we see when we see Christ, like in Mark 6, where it says he had compassion on the multitude, and it says he began to teach them. And then after that, it shows that he had compassion on them, that they had been traveling, were hungry, and he fed them. You know, mm-hmm. in Galatians 2, uh, it, Paul says, and they gave, me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcision. They only desired that we should remember the poor the very thing which I also was eager to do. Mm-hmm. So it was like, hey, they're going to the Gentiles with the gospel, but yeah, there's that, that remembrance that we're to be light to them. And Ray, that's something that has always been a part of your approach uh, with the gospel, demonstrating kindness and love oh, man. toward others. I mean, MacArthur Park, tell us about that. Oh, goodness me. <clears throat> well, back in New Zealand, uh, I, I, when we knew we were coming to live in the US, I thought I'm gonna have to give up my open air preaching ministry, which was daily. It was just such part of, of, of what I did. And I thought I'm gonna give that up because I looked at Los Angeles and all I could see was cars. <laughs> you know, you see pictures, cars and people. Yeah. And there were people gathering. And, and so a song came on the radio. It's it an iconic song called MacArthur Park. Are you guys familiar with that? I've it's just an amazing yeah. song. And it's, I thought it just kept coming back. And I, so I asked a friend who drove me from a church back to an airport or something. I'd spoken to the church. And he was from the U.S. And he said, oh, I know MacArthur Park. He said, it's just packed with the homeless and that. He that said, wasn't the imagery in your mind of it? Um, I didn't know what to think, but yeah. he says that's about 20 miles from where you're going to live. Huh. And so I determined to go there, and, uh, and I went there for about a year and, and fed the, uh, the homeless and bathed their, uh, the wounds of drug addicts and sore sites I never want to see again. I saw a man with hair on his eyeball. I saw a, a knee that was looked like an orange that had been split and turned inside out and such uh, horrible things that we had to bathe, and I had no background in first aid at all. was just like, mm. whatever this is, I'll pour that on this, <laughs> you know, bite onto this bit of wood and I'll let me wrap some... Bite onto this piece of wood. <laughs> <laughs> you watch too many movies. But I right? found out uh, afterwards, I've been going there for a while, that it was the most murderous portion of Los Angeles and I was there oh. like a stupid, naive guy who was giving away dollar bills. I, to, to, and one guy <laughs> says, oh, I wouldn't do that in public if I were you, someone will kill you for it. Don't preach here, stand with your back to a tree because they'll stab you from the back and things like that, oh, which wow. gave me wisdom as to how to stay alive. But it's in the book, um, Out of the Comfort Zone. Yes. Um, and let me just say, having worked here now for seven years, you're not going to enjoy my compliment to you, Ray, because uh, I know these kind of things make you uncomfortable. But I have been so moved and inspired by your desire to do the yes and, where you, you undoubtedly are preaching the gospel. But you're also the kind of person that, make, that would make a homeless person feel seen and heard and loved. You walk around with either subway or in and out cards. You take the time to get to know them, to make them laugh. You don't look the, at that person, you know, asleep under a trash bag under a tree as just like 
a burdensome task. You look at them. Well, maybe some in some ways it's a hard thing for you to do, but in other ways you are compelled by love and compassion to move forward. And um, I, I just have no doubt that for some of those guys, like you are the highlight of their week when you have a conversation with them, when you give them a gift card. And so I think it's a great example of that yes and yeah. uh, um, approach to to justice. Yeah, and you know another verse too that that uh, is important to mark is Deuteronomy twenty seven nineteen. This is God speaking. He says, "Cursed is anyone who withholds justice from mm. the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow." Uh, uh, then all the people shall say amen. You know, so there is that that yes and or that both and dynamic. Uh, and again, we find that at, at Galatians three. 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And that's the beauty of the universality of the church. Uh, Mark, you and I have been to many, I think we've been to 20 countries or so together. Um, Yeah, go ahead. If if we do not uh, put God at the center as the answer to racism, well, then the problem's only gonna get bigger as population continually grows. Right? We are valuable because of whose image we bear, not because right. of a function that we could perform or the color of our skin. Yeah. And I think I, I was shocked as I was trying to produce our pro-life film in that I, I found a section, a chapter in Mark Twain's uh, book, uh, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Mm-hmm. And in it, chapter 32, there's this odd story where uh, Aunt Sally is expecting Tom Sawyer to come home for uh, dinner, and instead Huckleberry Finn uh, comes in. She mistakes Huck Finn uh, as Tom Sawyer, but the conversation continues and says, you're late, you're late, why are you late? And he concocts the story that the steamboat had blown a cylinder head and completely disjointed, not in place. It adds no value to the story of what Mark Twain was writing, this now takes place. Mm. Where were you? Ah, oh, I, I blew a cylinder head on the steamboat. Good gracious, anybody get hurt? No, ma'am. Killed a Negro, but it actually spells out the word N-I-G-G-E-R. Wow. Killed a Negro, but nobody got hurt. And then she says, good, I'm glad that nobody got hurt because sometimes people do get hurt. Oh my goodness. It wasn't even relevant to the story, but what is assumed at that moment is that the black man is not human. It wasn't argued for, it was just assumed. Yeah. And now all we have are arguments that are based upon assumptions with no biblical foundation. Mm. The moment we begin to look at each other with intrinsic value, not instrumental value, you're valuable because of whose image you bear, not because of anything you can perform. Yeah. The world looks at each other with instrumental value. You're a plumber, we could be friends because I might have some needs that need to have done. You're an electrician, man, my, I need some rewiring down at my house. Mm. Everybody is valuable because we bear the image of God. Think of George Floyd, which happened, unfortunately, there in Minneapolis, dies at the hands of a white police officer. Was it racially motivated? We don't know. Right. All we know is what's being said. All we know is that somebody died. But now George Floyd is a valuable human being because of what he's bringing forth in his death, which he should have had inside of his life because he was intrinsically valuable. But a community is coming along saying he's valuable because now he's an instrument of righteousness for their cause, which is what? Hmm. The black man is a valuable person and he's being oppressed. Right. No, he was valuable before he was oppressed. Yeah. 
Yeah. He was valuable before he died. But only the Christian worldview can come along and say that George Floyd is a valuable human being. Homosexuals are valuable human beings. Heterosexuals, it doesn't matter. Now, it doesn't mean we agree with all these lifestyles that are important in the eyes of God, but we are all on the same boat and we're all valuable. But only the Christian worldview can say that. Yeah, I think there's, there's two things. Too. So there's one other thing to add to that is that not only is it the uh, an inerrant value of a human being, but it's also uh, the, the root of some of these uh, issues of injustice. So we've talked about drug addiction in certain communities where that's huge. Um, you know, the left and the right are very different than what the Bible has to say about that. And so the left would say that any, any group of individuals that are struggling with drug addiction, uh, it's a communal issue. And so they'll borrow a lot from Karl Marx. I normally don't like mentioning Marx because he kind of, uh, people just misunderstand him all in all. But, but it is a borrowing from Marx in which Marx looked at human beings as inherently good in a blank slate. And any type of issue like drug or crime was ultimately because the culture around them failed them. It is, it is, it is the reason why we commit crime, the reason why drug addiction happens is because of the power structures around the individual uh, set them up for failure. That's what the left would say. Um, the right would say that it's purely an individual issue, that nobody is responsible but the individual committing the sin, taking the drug. But the scripture looks at human beings both as individual and communal. It is primarily your responsibility to take that drug, to commit that crime, but it also looks at the individual, which are the scriptures that you were reading, and says, if you see injustices, we have to work for the people who are impoverished to desire good in their lives, to do what we can to uh, uh, bring them out of that situation, and, and it calls us to make certain kind of individual sacrifices and things of that nature. And so I think that just from a biblical perspective, not only the intrinsic value and worth of an individual is so foreign to this world, but even the way in which we see sin is so foreign to this world. Yeah. And again, the, the gospel is the answer. I mean, you're going to get wicked men like Marx who are going to have their agendas. You're going to have others today in the woke culture that you know are going to... Uh, pay homage to that. You're going to have conservatives who, uh, you know, have this mindset like, yeah, we've got it all together. And how many skeletons do we see in their closets, mm -hmm. as you mentioned earlier, in terms of racism? But the gospel is always the answer, uh, always the answer. And, you know, and that, that's, that is the antidote to the uh, social justice gospel today that I think is also wreaking havoc, you know, in the church and taking the focus away from, you know, the heart of the gospel. And, you know, I remember years ago, I was in Uganda, Africa. Mark, when you and I pastored, we, were, uh, we had a ministry there in a refugee camp. And I was asked to speak in this church service in the camp. And I remember I was sitting up on stage. That's where the speaker would customarily sit before the service. And I was lost in thought, just getting ready, you know, thinking about how I'm going to open my message. And all of a sudden, it was like being in a dream and being, you know, quickly awoken and snatched back into reality. And all of a sudden... I hear all these saints just thunderously worshiping God in their native language. And I just sat there and the, the, the floodgates of my eyes burst. Mm -hmm. and, and I just, I couldn't hold, you know, I couldn't hide it. I was trying to, but it was like, as I heard them worshiping Jesus in their native language, and it reminded me of Revelation 5, 9 that says, and you've redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and yeah. people and nation. I thought, Lord, I'm so different from these saints in every way, from our language 
to our customs, to our appearance, to our backgrounds, but I felt so united with them. And it was because of that blood that was shed so long ago, so far away, still trickling through the ages, touching, healing, saving. And, um, and it reminded me of something I had written years ago, and it goes like this. Oh, the precious, priceless blood of the Lamb, the blood that has never stopped flowing from the moment it was shed. Indeed, it still flows, even after 2,000 years of time, still flowing, still healing, penetrating the barrier of time, breaking through the barrier of conflict, debate, division. That blood whose flow cannot be stopped by opinion, hindered by opposition, nor dried up by human philosophy, the precious blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's... That, that's the sum of the matter. It's Christ, it's his blood, it's its redemption. And when we have his love in our hearts, like Ray said, the problem is not skin, it's sin. When we have his love in our hearts and we shed that abroad, it's going to change. It's gonna change individuals, which will change societies and cultures and uh, be revolutionary. And we see that microcosm within the church of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. That's the church. And that's what Jesus does. Amen? Amen. Oh, what a, Amen. what a great discussion, guys. All right, friends, thank you for joining us for the Living Waters podcast. Make sure to go to livingwaters.com and figure out more ways of how we can serve you. Go to the website. We've got articles. We have got videos. We have got resources. We want to inspire and equip you in fulfilling the Great Commission. So livingwaters.com. Make sure to join us here again next time on the Living Waters podcast. chicken dinner. I have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from, but friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters podcast. We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California. Yvonne from Crestline, California. Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina. Andrea from Anderson, Indiana. Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania. Lowell from Yakima, Washington. Don from Charleston, Illinois. John from Ford, Australia. Good on you, Mike. And Dave from Will and Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.